This episode of the Police One Podcast is sponsored by Officer Store. Learn more about getting the gear you need at prices you can afford by visiting officerstore.com. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Policing Matters on policeone.com. Thanks for joining us. Hey, you may be watching on the Police One YouTube channel as well. If not, check us out. Well, amid all the grumblings and uh, about law enforcement over the years, there have been some bright spots of support. You've heard them here on the show. We often do not recognize them as much as we do the negative chatter. Well, you know all about the National Law Enforcement Officers Museum and Fund. And I've got a great guest today. Craig W. Floyd is the founder and president of Citizens Behind the Badge, a nonprofit advocacy organization formed in 2020 to end the disastrous defund and defame the police movement and ensure that our nation's law enforcement professionals receive the support and respect needed and deserve to keep America safe. Craig is also the founding chief executive officer emeritus of the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, a nonprofit organization he helped establish in 1984 to honor the service and sacrifice of America's law enforcement officers. Craig retired from the Memorial Fund at the end of December 2018, and hey, we are in luck because now he's making a new run with this organization citizens behind the badge. Welcome to Policing Matters, Mr. Craig Floyd. My pleasure, Jim. Thank you. Hey, you started this program, Citizens Behind the Badge, and you've been uh, toiling an awful lot, you know, three decades or more in supporting police. Tell us about Citizens Behind the Badge. Well, you know, as you pointed out, I retired as uh, founding CEO of the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund after 34 years. Uh, we had just uh, finished building the National Law Enforcement Museum. Uh, and that was a 20-year journey, 20-year effort that came to a wonderful culmination, a uh, beautiful ribbon-cutting ceremony, Clint Eastwood, uh, uh, John Ashcroft, the former Attorney General of the United States. Uh, you know, I could go on and on and name all the luminaries that were with us. So after we finished the museum, and uh, that's located now right across the street from the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial, which we had built in 1991, um, I, I felt like we had more or less accomplished the goals that I had set out to accomplish. And it was now time for me to retire and to turn it over to other leadership for the future. And they've done a good job since I've left. Um, but, you know, after a year of golf, a year of uh, spending time with my wife and family, a lot more time than I used to, um, I was loving life. But uh, in May of 2020, as we all know, uh, George Floyd died and uh, all hell broke loose. Uh, all of a sudden, almost overnight, as some officers have been quoted as saying, uh, people started hating police. And I, I just thought it was so wrong. I mean, I, I'd worked with law enforcement for 40 years. Um, I had put more than 23,000 names on the National Memorial, officers who had sacrificed their life for the safety and welfare of others. And now all of a sudden people are hating on police. It was just wrong. So I, I said, you know, I want to get back in the game. I want to have a voice. The Memorial Fund continued to do what it did. And I, I serve as the founding CEO emeritus of the Memorial Fund. So I still have a stake there and, and a role to play. But I wanted to start a new organization. This would be citizens of the, this country 
Americans who truly do fully, uh, support and respect law enforcement. Uh, that's the vast majority, but unfortunately they seem to be the silent majority. And I wanted to mobilize that, that group of people and try to let law enforcement know, hey, we have your backs, we respect you, we appreciate what you do. And that's exactly what Citizens Behind the Badge is all about. It's about mobilizing the American people, those who support law enforcement, the vast majority, and get their voices heard. Because too much of the noise that's out there right now comes from a very, very small number of people. Uh, but because they make so much noise, they get all the attention in the media. And, and it's just a, a very unfair, unjust to the men and women in law enforcement who are putting their lives on the line each and every day. So that's why I started Citizens Behind the Badge in September of 2020. And I'm pleased to say we're getting a lot of traction. We have uh, well over 100,000 supporters. Uh, we have over 200,000 followers on our Facebook page. So uh, we're, we're getting the message out there and we're mobilizing the troops. And uh, I think it's only going to grow. Yeah, that's great. And I make that 100,001 because I am a supporter. I've looked at your literature. Great organization. And besides this, in the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund, I mean, 40 years you've been doing this. What was the impetus that set you back even then? Well, you know, Jim, I, in the beginning, it was really a fate. Uh, put me right out of college. I wanted to work on Capitol Hill. I'd had an internship with a congressman from West Virginia. Unfortunately, he wasn't hiring when I was looking to get a full-time job. I uh, started interviewing with other members of the House and the Senate. Ended up uh, paired with a man named Mario Biaggi. Uh, it turns out he was the most decorated cop in New York City history when he retired in 1965 after 23 years on NYPD. Uh, and then he went to serve 20 years in Congress. I happened to have the privilege of serving for 10 of those years as his legislative assistant. So in the beginning, uh, it was really uh, a job, uh, another project, if you will, uh, to deal with law enforcement issues. Uh, and one of those issues that came to Congressman Biaggi because he was always the champion of law enforcement and uh, all the police would come to him whenever they had an issue of concern uh, that needed tending to. And they said, Congressman, we'd like you to champion a effort to build a national law enforcement officers memorial. And uh, we introduced that legislation in 1981 and became law in 1984. And uh, seven years later, we dedicated the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial. Um, but it was Congressman Biaggi who basically gave me the privilege of serving as the CEO of the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. And basically that allowed me to have the honor of leading the effort to build a national monument honoring the men and women in law enforcement in this country and paying a special tribute, of course, to the men and women who had sacrificed their lives in law enforcement service. But, you know, I, I it was a job in the beginning, uh, one of many projects I was assigned by the congressman. But I must tell you, once I started meeting the survivors, meeting the officers who served, uh, it, it just it got to me. I mean, it became uh, who I am professionally. And I made it uh, my lifelong uh, goal is to honor the service and the sacrifice of America's law enforcement professionals as a private citizen who probably has a better understanding and appreciation for what they do than any other citizen in this country, because I've met so many of them and I know so much about them, not, not only what they do, but what's in their heart 
Um, and I, I can tell you, these are special men and women like yourself who served many years in law enforcement. Um, you, you do amazing things. And usually it's behind the scenes when nobody's looking, uh, nobody's filming. And uh, I've gotten to hear those stories. So uh, I appreciate what you do. And I'm going to continue to be your, your number one advocate. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And we've seen the domino effect. You mentioned that uh, the George Floyd incident was one of the uh, sparks that, that sent you towards uh, forming uh, Citizens Behind the Badge. And you also talked, you mentioned about the silent majority and uh, you're doing it with the Citizens Behind the Badge. You've done it with the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial. How can we get the majority that isn't stepping up and, and be more vocal? How can we get them involved? We've seen the uh, domino effect of uh, people leaving the job, law enforcement officers leaving the job, maybe retiring early, maybe switching careers, maybe moving on to a smaller agency. And we've seen some crime uh, statistics climb as a result. And so now we have more crime, fewer officers, how can we get the citizenry involved? Well, you, you make a great point, and that is the, the defund and defame the police movement, as I like to call it, uh, has set us back uh, many, many years. Uh, crime is out of control in this country. You know, interestingly, right before 2020, when the defund movement started, uh, we were at the lowest level of crime in this country than we'd ever seen in recorded history. Uh, law enforcement was being applauded for doing such a great job. Uh, more officers, better prepared than ever before, uh, doing a better job than ever before in the history of this nation, really the history of the world. We have the best law enforcement uh, contingent here in the United States than, than anywhere else. And we should be proud of that fact. But unfortunately, uh, so much of the criticism toward law enforcement has driven so many great officers out of the profession. And it's really hurt all of us because public safety, we now have a public safety crisis. We now have a police safety crisis. You know, when we built the National Memorial, I think we, we had a similar uh, concern. And that is uh, law enforcement was doubting uh, how much support they really had from the public. I remember those days. Um, and, and yet uh, we, we found out that over a million Americans contributed money to make sure that law enforcement got a national monument built in their honor. That's how much Americans truly appreciated and, and, uh, and valued law enforcement. Um, and you know, I always said, even then, you know, we're talking now about 40 years ago, I said, you know, Americans have always supported law enforcement. They just never had a chance to show their, their support. Um, you know, we've done studies and found that fewer than 10% of the citizens of this country have had a positive interaction with a law enforcement officer. You know, uh, only about one out of five has any contact at all, and most of those are traffic stops. So if you do the math, you know, about 10% um, are the ones that have had that positive interaction. So most people don't have any interaction at all. They don't have a chance to say thank you to a police officer. Um, you know, we're always worried about them being in the rearview mirror when we're driving down the road. We don't want to be stopped for speeding. I mean, that that to me is probably the the, the typical uh, citizens, uh, you know, attitude toward law enforcement: out of sight, out of mind. We take them for granted most of the time until we really need them. So uh, we gave them that opportunity to build the national memorial. They came out in droves. Uh, you know, uh, over a million people donated money. It cost over eleven million dollars to build that monument. 
All of it came from public funds. And now we're through Citizens Behind the Badge, we're giving them a similar opportunity. We're mailing millions of letters across this country, asking them to sign a declaration of support for their local police and, and sheriff's offices. And uh, we've gotten over 100,000 returned already. Uh, and we send those declarations of support to the chiefs and sheriffs around this country as a way to let them know, hey, uh, you, may not, you may not realize it because of what you hear in the media and from the politicians, but uh, the vast majority of citizens in your community support what you are doing. And we've surveyed the citizens in addition to getting them to sign that declaration of support. We asked them, do you support and, and do you uh, like the way your local police are handling the, the job? And more than 95% have returned their surveys and said, absolutely, we support and value our local police and sheriffs. And, uh, and we hate what's happening to them you know, through the, the media lies and, and the false narrative and, and the politicians that are so quick in a knee-jerk reaction to uh, criticize law enforcement for anecdotal evidence that may be out there. And, and uh, you know, until we look at every incident very carefully, we'll never truly understand uh, whether there was any misconduct involved. And interestingly, Jim, we, we did a survey. We didn't do it. Uh, the U.S. Department of Justice did it. They surveyed the uh, approximately 60 million uh, people that had interactions with law enforcement officers in 2020. And they found that 1% of those people who had an interaction with a police officer said there was misconduct involved. That means 99%, literally 99% of the interactions were positive. Police and sheriff's deputies and, and other federal law enforcement officers acted properly and appropriately and, and honorably. Um, and this is what we don't hear from the media and they need to report the truth, not the, the false narrative that they uh, seem so quick to get out. Yeah, no, that is tremendous, the the effort you're putting forward to talk about the support. And it, it may seem like an intangible, but uh, I've seen surveys from police officers, and I'm going to actually be on a panel through Police One coming up a, a webinar about what police want. And I'll give you a sneak peek at the results of the surveys, and they are that police want good leadership and they want support through their organization, through their local governments and through their communities. So you are 100% right on target with that effort. And I, I can't wait to fill mine out. Uh, I wanna ask you about uh, recruiting in law enforcement and you've got a, a completely you know, different perspective about uh, law enforcement and the need to succeed and the need to continue uh, strong. I want to ask you that about recruiting in law enforcement, but first I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. Officer Store, equipping protectors with passion. That's how we operate and it's how we live. We understand that having the right gear can mean the difference between life and death. Our goal is to get you the gear you need when you need it at prices you can afford. Visit us at officerstore.com. So we're back and I'm speaking with Craig Floyd, founder of the National Law Enforcement Officers Mu Museum and Citizens Behind the Badge, the newer organization. And we're talking about supporting law enforcement in, in various ways. And I want to ask you, Mr. Craig, uh, Mr. Craig, uh, Mr. Floyd, what are we missing as far as recruiting in law enforcement? Sometimes we get really driven 
uh, in institutional uh, ways of policies and uh, how we recruit. And so we continue to go the way that we think has always worked for us. And we're not seeing the results that we saw 10, 20 years ago. We need to be doing something different. What's your perspective on that? Well, I'd like to start at a very young age. Uh, let's start in the schools. And unfortunately, you know, I grew up um, back in the 1960s. I was going to elementary school and I remember being a patrol. And I remember this lieutenant in a, a sparkling uniform coming in like once a month to meet with us. And we would just be in awe of, the, of this uh, law enforcement officer. Um, and a lot of us felt like, hey, you know, that's something that we might want to consider uh, uh, when we grow up, uh, be a, become a police officer. You know, they, this is an exciting job. This is a very honorable job. Uh, and they're doing so much good for the community. But unfortunately, we seem to have gone away from that. Uh, young people don't necessarily get taught about the positive aspects of law enforcement in our country. Um, and as a result, you know, they, they hear so much of the negativity and the criticism, and uh, it, it's uh, discouraging, I think, for a lot of people to consider law enforcement as a career. That was one of the reasons uh, I was so um, excited about building a national law enforcement museum, because this could be a place where school kids could go and learn about the profession, not what they've heard in the media or what they see on television. This is the reality, the history of law enforcement in this country, the, the vital role that law enforcement has played. And they get to see the exciting aspects of the job through interactive exhibits we have in, at the National Law Enforcement Museum, the, the fingerprinting, the DNA, the, uh, the, the interrogations. Uh, you, you get all of that and a lot more learning the history of law enforcement, and you hear the stories about some of the uh, famous legends of, of the profession, the Wyatt Earps and such. Um, and all of a sudden, I think kids, if they go to that museum, and hordes of them are now going, thankfully COVID's over, school kids are finally going on field trips again, they're coming to Washington, D.C. from all over the country, and they're putting the National Law Enforcement Museum on their agenda. And I think through that alone, recruitment for law enforcement is going to go way up. I think uh, when we were building the museum, we often called it that it'll be the number one recruiting tool for law enforcement in this country. And I tr uh, still believe that very strongly, but we've got to get them there and, and we've got to stop all the negative noise. I, I think, um, you know, again, if, if uh, recruitment in law enforcement is being hurt by what one officer, uh, I, I thought he captured it beautifully, uh, he retired uh, prematurely from Atlanta, and he said, uh, here's why. We're one bullet away from death and one mistake away from indictment. He said, you know, there are other ways to make a living, and uh, I'm going to go find other opportunities. Uh, and he left the profession, and he was probably one of the best officers we could have had, uh, and now he's gone. And I think we're seeing that time and time again. And then not only are the good officers and leaders leaving, but we're not finding enough good people to fill their, their uh, footsteps. Uh, and, and this is the real problem we have because we've been so negative, so hateful toward law enforcement. Uh, we, you know, deaths have gone uh, through the roof in large part uh, because of COVID, but also because of increased violence and assaults against police officers in this country. Uh, you know, uh, last couple of years, we've had 
many more shooting deaths for officers than has had been the historical average over the previous 10 years. So this is a real problem, more assaults against officers, more shootings against, uh, of officers, um, and more deaths among officers. We've lost over 800 officers the last two years in the line of duty. That's the most ever in the history of our nation. Um, and so you've got all of that on one side, you've got all the negativity on the other. And uh, why would anybody wanna become a police officer today with that as your background? We've gotta change the, the narrative. We've gotta talk the truth that uh, force by law enforcement is hardly ever used of the 60 million or so interactions between law enforcement and, and the public each year. Uh, they use or even threaten the use of force less than 2% of the time. It hardly ever happens. And fatal use of force is, is a fraction of that. So uh, clearly the, the narrative that people are getting in the, through the media primarily is false. Uh, and it's discouraging people for wanting to become a police officer. They're not uh, crediting the men and women in law enforcement uh, as honorable people who are doing an amazing job to keep America safe. Right. No, I mean, you hit so many great uh, issues right on the head there uh, with that. And I mean, I think now when we see uh, the statistics of use of force, well, it's it's kind of like football statistics. Uh, 20 years ago, we weren't keeping track. So now we are. And then we've got the media. And now we have national resist movements where instead of license and registration coming out the window, uh, the window's being rolled up, the car's being started and driven away. So we've got that side of uh, what the officer's dealing with and the, the negative uh, portrayal in TVs and movies, and that's being pounded. I have students today, uh, we have a, a session on urban legend where they ask uh, what if it's true, is this true or not? And so we we dispel these myths about policing every day. And these are to college students. So I think you're right on as far as getting in there as early as possible, showing them that police are human and being able to ask them questions to clarify. It's a great idea. You know, Jim, also the, something that hit me when you said that. Um, David Brown, who was the chief of police in Dallas, when four Dallas police officers were brutally assassinated by a guy that hated cops, they were actually patrolling a anti-cop protest at the time that they were assassinated. And David Brown, after his four officers were killed, he, he made a plea to the community. He said, look, put down your protest signs and come apply to become a police officer here in Dallas. He said, after you get through the academy, I'll put you in your neighborhoods that you grew up in and I'll let you become uh, the police officer in your own community. That's how you make a difference. It's not holding up protest signs. It's not killing cops or hating cops. Uh, that's not going to change anything. But it, you know, uh, do something to make a difference. And why don't why don't more people want to become law enforcement officers and and make a difference? And I, I think that opportunity is out there for everybody. So let's take advantage of it and change policing if that's what you want. You know, there was a great guy who who just died, Luther Reynolds, uh, the chief down in Charleston. Uh, South Carolina, uh, died of cancer very recently. And I had a quote uh, put on our National Law Enforcement Museum from him when it opened a couple, you know, four years ago. And it said, from Luther Reynolds, it said, there is not a police department in this country that can't do better. You know, law enforcement is always striving to do better. And they have done better every year, every decade. 
Uh, and we're not giving them credit for that, but they're always striving to do better. And, and uh, you know, we need more people to be a part of that, that progressive movement. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you talked about being a legislative aide early in your career uh, to a member of the House of Representatives, and you know how it works. And sometimes there are moral panics, maybe one incident that's highlighted, maybe a video goes viral, and then legislation is there. And we've seen it restrict use of force policies. New York even had a policy once that said, if you lay any part of your body on an offender that you're trying to handcuff, that you can be arrested for a misdemeanor. And if he's hurt, you, the charges could go up. That was defeated a month after it was released. So thankfully, but we've seen uh, use of force options, whether they be uh, weapons or uh, physical restraints removed from the toolbox of use of force. And then you actually limit the options to more uh, likely lethal weapons. So. How do we uh, reach the legislators or is it something that we just have to take as just being politics? Well, I, you know, you speak of legislation, I, I would have to highlight something. I'd be remiss if I didn't. Uh, Senator J.D. Vance from Ohio has partnered with Citizens Behind the Badge. Uh, we went and had a meeting with uh, the senator's aides. Uh, they had expressed interest and support for what we were doing. Uh, J.D. Vance is a huge champion of law enforcement in this country, just uh, not just Ohio, but the entire country. And so we asked him to introduce a resolution that would express support for law enforcement and condemn the calls to uh, defame, defund, and abolish uh, police in this country. Let's bring some sense back to the discussion. And uh, he has done that through the introduction of a resolution that we're now working in partnership with him to get passed by the Senate. SRES uh, 218, and we encourage all of our, our police friends and supporters uh, to uh, call their senators, let them know that they need to co-sponsor SRES 218 and, and uh, call J.D. Vance's office. But uh, the bottom line is, you know, most law enforcement, as you know, Jim, having been a San Francisco police officer, is done at the local level. We have over 18,000 agencies in this country, uh, each of them with their different policies and rules and and uh, um, uh, different investigatory authority. Um, so it's hard to legislate at the federal level when it comes to law enforcement. Um, but I, I think we can all agree that we, we should never restrict and, re and uh, restrain law enforcement from doing their job. You know, I heard the other day, I was, uh, people were talking about Chicago's pursuit policy, foot pursuit policy. And, and they said it's 11 pages long, and, and it restricts uh, pursuit of anybody that ends up in a, a pile of debris, anybody that goes into a building, anybody at, that uh, you're pursuing at night, uh, inclement weather. I mean, there was just one restriction after another on what the Chicago police officers can do. And they have a crime problem like nobody else in this country. And yet they're, they're handcuffing their own police officers from doing their job. These officers are out there trying to protect people from the evildoers and, uh, and our policymakers, unfortunately too often in a knee-jerk fashion, as you uh, suggest, uh, are, are making it very difficult for them to do the job they've been uh, paid to do. So uh, this is a real problem. This is why we need more legislators like J.D. Vance 
uh, that, that have common sense approaches to law enforcement and, and would want them to do their job as they had been doing it prior to 2020 very effectively, all of a sudden now that they should be abolished and we should blow them up and start all over again because uh, apparently they're not doing the job we want them to. And that's just the farthest thing from the truth. Yeah. Well, so, so encouraging to hear about Senator Vance and he's got a great personal story. If you haven't read uh, Hillbilly Elegy, uh, you can pick it up and read it and uh, a phenomenal background and struggle and resilience that he showed. It's just great to have him as an ally to law enforcement. You mentioned resilience, by the way. Uh, he addresses resilience in the resolution. Uh, it turns out that the average person has uh, between three and four traumatic events in their life, right? Three to four. The average police officer has between 400 and 600 uh, traumatic events uh, occurring during their professional career. And they have a 54% higher suicide rate than the average person, as you can imagine, because of all that trauma. So uh, J.D. Vance in his resolution addresses that issue. Uh, Catherine Cortez Masto, the senator from Nevada, we're working with her office uh, in providing more mental health resources for law enforcement officers. So uh, resilience for officers is, is a very important theme uh, that you've uh, touched on. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, great stuff coming from him. Hey, you launched Destination Zero, the program that aids, aims at reducing officer fatalities to zero. That's a heady goal. How are we doing and what are we doing to reduce injury and deaths of police officers? You know, I once a uh, few months ago had uh, the sheriff from uh, Wausau, Wisconsin come on the air and he his program uh, wellness program for police officers was a recent recipient of the destination zero award for having a great program tell us more about that. Well, it, it, it uh, you touch on something that that's important to me uh, philosophically it's called big hairy audacious goals. I think that's what you need to set for any organization to be successful and to rise to the levels that we did at the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. And you know there was a program in place called Below 100. Uh, and the idea was let's get the number of law enforcement officers who die in the line of duty each year below 100. It hadn't happened in you know, over a half a century at that time. And, and we all said, well, wait a minute, you know, isn't our real goal zero deaths? Uh, for officers. And isn't that really the goal we should all be shooting for? So yes, it's a big, hairy, audacious goal. It's probably a goal that'll never be reached any time in our lifetimes, but it's certainly what we should be striving for. So we looked at firearms-related deaths. We looked at traffic-related deaths. We looked at uh, heart attacks and other job-related illnesses that occur because of the stress of the job. Um, and we said, what can we do to try to uh, get those numbers way down? And what we focused on were all the great programs that were now being uh, implemented at departments around this country. Again, 18,000 law enforcement agencies, each doing their own thing. But when we found a program that worked to prevent, say, firearms-related deaths, you know, mandatory vestwear policies would be an example, uh, or a department that put in a mandatory seatbelt wear policy for their officers to help reduce traffic-related deaths, uh, or wellness programs, mental health resources, uh, uh, ways that you can ease the stress of the job and, and deal with those traumatic events that occur in an officer's uh, career. Um, there were a lot of programs in place that were doing that. 
Uh, but we wanted to share that information. So we put this program in place, Destination Zero, uh, and we have a website uh, through the Memorial Fund. Uh, and you can go to uh, memorialfund.org or nleomf.org, and you can find out what these programs are that have been working for those particular agencies. And we share that information so other agencies can take a tried and true program, a one that's worked, and implement it at their own department. So that's really what the, the, the crux of the program is sharing that important information. We award every year, they give out awards for the best departments that have the best programs in place for job-related uh, job illnesses, for health, for firearms, for traffic. And we, uh, and we acknowledge them so that others hopefully can replicate their success. Right, just like uh, Sheriff Ben Blivens from Wisconsin. Hey, I, I totally appreciate what you just said. And Below 100, uh, I love the tenets of Below 100, including seatbelts, like, you know, who knew seatbelts could reduce injury or death. But, uh, you know, there's that old, old adage of, you know, careful, uh, you know, when you aim low, you might hit it. So I love the zero. That's about as low as you can get. It'd be great to hit that. Yes. Hey, you published uh, several news announcements, bulletins, op-eds, all in support of police officers or defending um, law enforcement agencies after a specific incident. We don't see chiefs doing that a lot. I've done it because I'm retired. I'm I'm out of law enforcement, but chiefs are at-will employees. Uh, they say the wrong thing. Even, even if they say the right thing, they could risk losing their jobs. What can we do to support chiefs to fight back against some of these false narratives? Is it, do they recruit someone like you within their organization uh, to speak out? What, what, what should a chief do after a critical incident or event where there's a false narrative, but they really don't uh, have the, the courage to stand up and, and get the right one out there? We you know I've, I've felt uh, a lot of freedom uh, once I left the Memorial Fund. Uh, I had to walk a fine line there, obviously, because you know we we didn't want to be viewed as a democratic organization or a conservative-leaning Republican organization. We wanted to be supported and and have universal support by all. Uh, we were a bipartisan organization supporting law enforcement, honoring the service and sacrifice of law enforcement should be a bipartisan issue. It should not have anything to do with partisan politics. So, so we, we were careful there in what we said and what we did. And I think that's true of a lot of the law enforcement organizations today, the International Association of Chiefs of Police, National Sheriff's Association, uh, Fraternal Order of Police. I mean, these are some of the leading organizations uh, for law enforcement in this country. But at Citizens Behind the Badge, I found that I've, I've had the ability to maybe say more of what I felt and believed and, and what was the truth uh, more so than, than I did uh, at the Memorial Fund. So I, I think you, you've hit on something there, which is politics is always at play. Uh, all these uh, mainstream law enforcement groups are working closely with whatever administration is, is being representative, uh, whether it's uh, you know a Democrat in the White House, a Republican in the White House, you know, a Republican appointed Attorney General of the United States or a Democratic appointed uh, Attorney General. Uh, you've got to kind of play that game and, you know, they invite you to the, the White House, they invite you to the Department of Justice, and, and uh, it, it's hard to be uh, overly critical, I think, in those circumstances. Uh, 
Um, we don't have that problem at Citizens Behind the Badge. We, we are not, uh, you know, we're helping uh, different senators, different Congress people uh, support law enforcement, but we can, we can say pretty much what we want and, and what we need to say, which is, you know, forget what you're hearing in the media and what you're hearing from a lot of these left-leaning uh, politicians who, who really don't know the facts. The facts say law enforcement are, are, are not brutal racists, uh, as many of those people would like you to believe. Uh, there's a great statistic that's never cited by anybody, but if you look only at police-initiated contacts, uh, in other words, a traffic stop or a pedestrian stop that's initiated by a police officer, uh, there is no difference statistically between the percentage of whites, blacks, Hispanics, and others that are stopped by police. Uh, it's about 10%. 10% of adult whites, 10% of adult blacks, 10% of adult Hispanics are stopped by police every year in this country. Uh, they're not targeting one ethnicity or one race over another. Um, and this is the kind of truth that, that we can talk about a lot at Citizens Behind the Badge, but I think some of these chiefs and, and sheriffs and others uh, may not have that, that freedom uh, to do so. Chiefs especially because they're political appointments in most cases. Sheriffs not so much because they're elected by their community and certainly they're politicians, but they, they can more or less uh, uh, act uh, the way they believe and the way they say they're gonna act when they run for office. So, how can uh, friends and family of police officers or any citizen out there, how can they learn more about Citizens Behind the Badge? How can they join? How can they subscribe? How can they donate? Well, thank you for that opportunity. Uh, basically, our website is, is the first step uh, in that process. I would suggest uh, behindbadge.org. Uh, we keep it simple. Uh, it's behindbadge.org. Uh, they'll find our website. And on there, it's packed full of information. Uh, every day I'm updating it. Uh, you know, what are the troubling consequences of the defund and defame the police movement? What are some of the uh, truths, the crime stats, the police stats that nobody talks about in the media, but that, that are right there, facts and figures that can't be argued against? Um, and we also talk about all the uh, great reforms that law enforcement is making each day, every year in this country uh, to get better, uh, to do better. And uh, we highlight all of that, along with the heroes, uh, heroic stories about officers, as well as honoring the fallen. Uh, every day, if a police officer dies somewhere in America, we put out notices. We, we honor them on our website. Uh, and if you go to our website, you'll be able to sign up on social media to follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. All of those opportunities uh, exist. We have a YouTube uh, site. Uh, where we post videos and interviews. Uh, we do podcasts now. Uh, so we're going to be interviewing uh, law enforcement leaders, citizen supporters, uh, and get the message out that way. So there, there's a lot of ways people can follow us. Um, and of course, uh, donations are, are appreciated. We're a 501c4 nonprofit group, which means um, we're tax exempt. We've been approved for that by the Internal Revenue Service. But uh, donations can, are not tax deductible because we're a political advocacy group. Uh, in other words, we are uh, trying to get legislation enacted at the federal, state, and local level that's pro-law enforcement. Uh, and as a result, uh, donations are not tax deductible, but, uh, but they are the way we survive, the way we're able to continue to do our work. And if you support law enforcement and you wanna have a voice, uh, join Citizens Behind the Badge, make a donation. Uh, there's a donation button on our website. You can easily do that. A lot of people do. 
now online donations are growing uh, and we have a mail campaign. So uh, it's a good chance that you'll be receiving a letter from us in the mail if, if you are pro-law enforcement and, and you tend to give to charities uh, of, of interest and concern. Well, thank you so much. And you can find the behindbadge.org uh, link in our show notes. And Mr. Craig Floyd, thank you so much for what you do for law enforcement. You've been doing it for four decades, the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. And now with Citizens Behind the Badge, we need people like you. We appreciate people like you. And I'm glad you came back. I know there's only so much golf to play, but I know you have uh, better intentions of why you came back. We appreciate you. Welcome back. Thank you for that. I, I feel somewhat purposeful still uh, advocating for law enforcement. And I certainly want to end by thanking you, Jim, for your law enforcement service over a long and distinguished career. And I hope a lot more people will want to follow in your footsteps. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for taking time to, today. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed Mr. Craig Floyd. And I hope you check out Citizens Behind the Badge and click on their social media and tell your friends about it. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe out there. And I hope to talk to you again real soon. Take good care. I'm Jim Dudley. Bye.